Sony buying Warframe. And a new Uncharted. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, your other host, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys Lucky Episode 170. For those interested, stick around at the end of the show where you can find us and find more of us. But let's get into the show normally. Brett, what have you been playing this week? I just have to uh, say that last week you did not say Lucky 169. Listen, I probably did. But it's okay. Uh, now, I, had a, I had a few people... You know, message on different things and be like, saw it and say, lucky, 169. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> we messed up our long-running tradition. But... For the second time, I think. Going back into what I've been playing, um, I've actually played quite a lot this week. Uh, so I restarted, or restarted, I should say. I got back into finishing up uh, Life is Strange Part 2. Okay. Or whatever you want to call that, part two, God, the last of us. Uh, Life is Strange 2. <laughs> it's not part two. Uh, but the fourth, excuse me, I, I finished the third episode and started the fourth. I uh, played so much more RuneScape because I have a problem, and I always have, and I know that I shouldn't play it because it creates problems. But for now, it's a problem I can manage. Uh, and let's see, I, I played Vita. Uh, while I was watching some How I Met Your Mother, decided to rewatch that uh, and flying through it. So I've been playing a couple of those uh, Rattalaika games that I had had given to me for free. Um, shout out to who you are. You know who you are. Uh, and surprisingly, I'd mentioned before whenever I was kind of playing them, I just decided to pick Vita back up. A lot of them are really fun games. Uh, I mean, yeah, they do happen to be easy Platinums. Uh, and a couple of them I will not Platinum because I just didn't enjoy the game. But so far, I've gotten two more Platinums this week. Uh, one was from Gravity Duck. And I don't know if you remember, mm-hmm. there's a game that came out years ago called like VVVVV or something. And the gameplay trick to it, it, it was like a Flash game, I, I think. I know I've played it, but I can't remember it if I ever made it to a computer. Familiar off of flash or on consoles but the the gameplay thing was that you'd hit the jump button and when you would gravity would flip upside down and you'd essentially fall towards the ceiling that sounds pretty cool and i actually like that gameplay mechanic so there's a game called gravity duck on vita where that's essentially the gameplay and it gets more complicated as there's things that will rotate the orientation and make you fall in different directions it's not an incredibly hard game but it's fun in terms of platforming slash puzzle solving. Yeah. Uh, so I played that, got the platinum in that, uh, probably in about an hour, I'd say, uh, which was kind of surprising. Uh, there's more levels. I kept playing it, but the platinum, you, it's one of those games where you can get the platinum like midway through the game. Yeah, that's kind of odd. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a couple of things you do have to do that I just did naturally that apparently got you. And some of it's like has to do with dying or completing a level quickly. Uh, so it's things that you can easily stumble across, but you may not just from beating the game regularly. Um, but I also tried out, um, and got the platinum in a game that I was kind of surprised ran on Vita. Uh, it's called neon junctions and it's like, it's a 3d puzzle game and it's set in like a neon, uh, Tron looking world. Uh, you don't see your character really. You just walk around on a first person viewpoint and you pick up cubes and whatnot, and there's puzzles that you have to go through connecting energy dots around for you to do your stuff. Kind of a Tron mixed with a portal-looking yeah, game. Yeah, but honestly, I don't know why. I've not seen very many... I, I On Vita specifically, I've not seen very many indie games be 3D and actually look just pleasant. And the draw distance 
was forever, <laughs> which was really cool because it's like the they didn't cut off any part of the level. Not that it's a complicated looking world, but they actually added that into the gameplay mechanics because what would happen is there's puzzles where a lot of the game is picking up blocks and reconnecting. Like you saw that orange glow. Yeah. Well, that's power, and there'll be gaps in that, and you've got to fill it with blocks that will connect the power back around. But there's a lot of puzzles in how do you get blocks into the area you want because there's blocks that there's like door blockages that won't let you carry the blocks through. Yeah. So what you can do with it's pretty much infinite draw distance, even if you're pretty far, you can get to a completely other side of the map, go around, do all the stuff you need. And you can place the blocks in a couple of areas, go to the other side of the map where you can just barely see them and you can click them and pull them into your inventory from across the map, which is just cool. Yeah. So it's something that like, you know, going back to the beginning of the PS Vita, I think you played Gravity Rush on Vita, right? Yeah. The original. Absolutely. And I liked Gravity Rush's take on dealing with the limitations of a system like that because it was actually a pretty detailed game and having it to where it's like, oh, well, what we're going to do since we can't have unlimited draw distance or even far draw distance is we're going to make it to where when you're not close to something, it looks like a pencil-etched version of the city, and as you get closer, it pops in with detail, but not in a way that looks like pop-in. Kind of like fading pop-in in a way. Yeah, so I, you know, it's cool to see that, but then for this little indie game, which I know is a lot less complicated, it was kind of just interesting to be like, endless? Like Not, not only was that accounted for, they knew that it had to work in this game because if they had draw distance problems, you can't even solve the puzzle. Yeah. So that makes sense. Way, uh, That's an interesting way to get around technical difficulties. Enjoyed that though, and uh, I haven't started it yet, but I did let your brother borrow The Last of Us Two, and he let me borrow a couple days later while we were talking about it. Modern Warfare. So I will be starting that campaign probably when I'm done with Life is Strange Two. That campaign, I would say, is like one of the better Call of Duty campaigns in the, in recent. Uh, then again, it's the only Call of Duty campaign that I've played since <laughs> in recent uh, Infinite. Is it Infinite Warfare? Is Did it, you play Infinite Warfare? I couldn't remember. Is it the one with the robot? Yes. Okay, yes. Ethan? Ethan, yeah. yeah. I was going to say Aaron, but yeah, Ethan. Uh, that's the last one I played. And I actually liked it better than that one just because it's it's very much grounded. And there's just a couple of missions that are like missions I all, always wanted to have in a Call of Duty game. Like oh, in Modern Warfare? Yeah, there's one like where you raid a house and it's night vision. I'm sure you've seen the, I, the I stuff saw that. of that. It yeah. looks fantastic. I mean, I didn't see much of it, but I remember it being in the marketing material. Yes, yeah. like it looks um, shockingly real in some parts because uh, like the way the night vision works. In real life, night vision is already kind of grainy as it is. Yeah. And the way they pulled it off, you'll see it when you play it. It's like, wow, this is kind of impressive uh, looking for this game. Yeah, and I should say like the Call of Duty games have always had okay storylines at bare at, at worst yeah they're I mean, like they've sh- never been bad storyline yeah but i do think they've had a few that were exceptional uh and i don't know if it's just because they just happen to be better games or because of my interest being so much higher and stuff that is more sci-fi and futuristic i don't know what it is i appreciate the grounded nature like i liked modern warfare one and two yeah. I, didn't, I didn't just like absolutely love them but when people are like they're some of the best shooting campaigns i'm like i, I feel you like i don't necessarily I don't agree or disagree. I'm just like, huh? Yeah, you know, they're really good. So if you think that they're among the best, then that's cool. But I personally, like, I really do hope I enjoy this one, and it looks like I will. You know, my biggest problem is going back to, like, World War II because it's just been done so many times. But I have no problem with going realistic and grounded, and I think I'll enjoy this game. But I liked so much... I liked Infinite Warfare's take on doing something that still felt grounded in a sci-fi universe. Um which was kind of like, hey, we're going to make this realistic and not go too crazy with it, but it's still going to be set in sci-fi, and you're going to get some of the stuff from that. 
I love that one. I love that game so much. But then also, as a really surprise, and it makes me want to play Black Ops 2 if they'd ever remaster it or maybe even get it on. Maybe I'll get it on PS3 one day, uh, play Black Ops 2. I played Black Ops 1. Didn't love it or hate it. I, I was glad it wasn't World War II. But um, Black Ops 3, the campaign for that, after when we got it for free as part of that surprise PS Plus thing during E3 or PSX or whatever it was. It might have been during the Game Awards. Yeah, it was the they, Game Awards, I think. Yeah, um, but you know, played that. And that game is super sci-fi and was really good, but it's also sci-fi in the sense of like it's going to the craziest reaches of it, and it makes it really interesting and cool, but it's not necessarily grounded. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, so I was really bummed, you know, after playing uh, uh, Black Ops 3, I was really bummed that Black Ops 4 was like, well, we're going to make Black Ops 4 and then not even include a campaign. Because I, I, in my mind, if they keep going forward with that, I thought that was really cool. Now, that brings us to the Call of Duty rumors that have been going around that Black Ops is coming back this year, but it's going to be Black Ops Cold War. Have you seen those? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Which it'd be breaking a weird cycle. Of the game, of the games constantly moving forward in time, yeah, as they kind of were. Yeah, like, I mean, it's weird. Cause, it's kind of refreshing in a way because Black Ops kept. I think mean, Black Ops Two was where they introduced androids, I think, uh, and like mech bodies that people could use, and then it was in three storyline. I don't think, and I think it was in four's multiplayer. Right? I don't think two had that. I think two was the introduction to like all the weird gadgets and stuff that you could do. Like two was the first one that had. Um, the little mini attack drone helicopter that you could do is a kill streak. Yeah, I remember the story because it had like a grapple hook that you could. I mean, I, I remember seeing, uh, not the story rather, I'm sorry. I remember seeing trailers and stuff for it. I don't remember uh, that game that well. That's been a while since I played it because, you know, that was back on um, 360. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like that game, it started to go into the more like futuristic at the time, like there was not much other Call of Duty stuff uh, coming up that was that futuristic. Well, I remember one of the things about the the trailers for it that just surprised me was like, in one moment it looks futuristic and gadget like really gadget wise, and you're having this grapple hook, and then the next moment it's like you're riding horses through a desert. <laughs> oh, see, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> and maybe I'm mixing it up with the Uncharted Three stuff, and I, they may have come out the same year. I'm actually not sure, but I'm pretty sure I remember there being some not robots, Dan. I'm pretty sure I remembered there being um, horses in the trailer for that. 2012, so no, it wouldn't have been the same year. Maybe there was. I don't remember. I know for sure that game focused on like normal guns for the yeah, most horses. part. And then um, uh, like futuristic gadgets. This just seemed like such a... Like, and of course you're riding on the back with a gun in your hand. So. Well, Black Ops also does stuff weird with their story with time. Oh, where they flip back and forth? Yeah. Huh. Again, having not played Black Ops 2, I just remember seeing the trailers and being like that's weird yeah it's been a long time since i played those games uh campaign but i remember it having to do with weird stuff with time like i think two is like a weird two is a sequel but at the same time like at the end there's a character or something that ends up being i don't remember it fully but i remember you're right because black ops 3 has got a mission where you go back into like a really crazy world war um of course you're not gonna be able to find it if i'm not mistaken there's like a world war ii level that you're going back and playing and it's like during part of world war ii which i thought was cool because it's like ah here's a way to get me to play world war ii stuff without having to have an entire game based around it and you still get to use all your powers that you had in the normal stuff in this like broken fag- fragmented memory thing it wasn't exactly but it, it was kind of like how you went to the certain flashbacks during death stranding of what felt like world or, war ii imagery or, uh, imagery. or, or uh, you're leaving out another game the Darkness. The Darkness is also very good. Uh, that went back to World War II. Yep. Uh, 
But I guess Pain we can. Common thing. We can get out of this segment with what I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing Destiny Two still, kind of hopping on. Not every day, but like three days of the week to do my bounties and stuff. And then yesterday, uh, me, Joe, and Gavin did the new dungeon, which is honestly hey, what's a dungeon as opposed to a dungeon is is the new dungeons that are like uh, Shattered Throne. Pit of Heresy, The Prophecy. Okay, I didn't know These, Shattered Throne was considered a dungeon. They are what I would consider three-man raids, especially The Prophecy. Yes, I remember we we did Shattered Throne, but I don't think we beat it. Uh, yeah, like this been years ago. We I, we tried once. We were doing once, something. I don't uh, think we beat it. Dreaming City came out or whatever. Yeah, um, Forsaken. But um, The Prophecy is probably one of the coolest looking. Uh, if I can spell. No, this I one's new. Um, yes, this one came out. Uh, two weeks ago, um, when the season came out, it might have been, it might have been um, three weeks ago at this point. I think it was, but yeah, prophecy is like one of the most coolest looking pieces that's ever been in a Destiny game before. Like where you're actually going through like the nod and stuff. Oh yeah, that's um, really cool looking. That's like Rainbow Road. You get on your sparrow and just ride around on that thing. But <laughs> but yeah, so I I did that and I've been playing a little bit of Destiny pretty much every other day or so. But um. I have played Days Gone yesterday for a couple hours, but I didn't progress the story at all. I was trying to go around and do side quests for the camps that okay, I could. Yeah. And um, at the same time, I was kind of just going through and exploring stuff and trying to find, like, I would find a um, a Ripper camp or something, and then I'd see if there's a bunker and try to go through the bunker stuff. Um, probably today, at some point, uh, well, actually, it might be tomorrow. At some point, uh, I probably will play some more. Um, I'll actually resume back into the story this time around. But okay. other than that, that's really kind of been it. I still haven't gotten my hands on a Switch uh, Lite, so I can't. I haven't been playing nothing that in that regard. <laughs> the search has been ever going, man. <laughs> yeah, but um, I also played a little bit of Destiny Two on PC this week. Uh, I'm still looking to upgrade my PC uh, setup soon. Yeah, and getting a. I think I found the monitor I'm gonna get. It actually seems like a pretty good deal. It's like a 32 inch 1440p 200 hertz screen made by uh, Samsung. 200 hertz instead of 240. Yeah. Well, I, or 144. I, it's 144. Yeah, because I, I think 240 is on some of them, but that's like. Yeah, it's you're really like, high yeah, dollar. you're not. You don't even need that. Yeah. Uh, not now, at least. Um, only seven hundred dollars. I say only seven hundred dollars, <laughs> but like for a for a monitor. That has HDR, um, <laughs> IPS screen that's 1440 hertz, that's one millisecond, 200, uh, or it's 1440p, 200 hertz. That's a pretty good price. Like, it's hard to find a good monitor that's that big, that's IPS. It nails, like, HDR, all that stuff. Yeah. No, HDR has been really behind in computer gaming screens. Yeah. It's funny because it's in the games, but very few screens can even use it. Yeah. Uh, well, I yeah. say now it's getting, a, it's getting to the point where you can find a decent 1080p HDR monitor, but like by decent, I mean, like, still $300. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you get, like, 144 hertz and stuff, so. Yeah, it'd be cool when they do more cross-play for stuff like that because I, mean, I, I think PS5 will very likely handle most of the problems I had with Destiny 2's disparity between the computer and the, PC, yeah. and the PS4 version. Uh, and by that extension, also the Xbox versions. Um, it's just, it's weird, man. Watching you play on your computer that day, I was like, it's not even, it does graphically look better, but I was like, it's not even that that is what you want. It's that it feels smoother. Yeah, it's literally it's, and, and, a and different I'm, game. You know, I'm normally not much for the, I, I do prefer 60 frames per second when I can get it, but I think most of the genres that I enjoy 
most are fine. Don't, don't demand 60 frames per second. But I think a game like Destiny shows... I think the only shooter games that really do okay at 30 frames per second is more story-driven shooter games that are like... Uh, that are kind of doing a romp across the world. Like Resistance 3 felt fine in 30 frames per second because it's a very different type of shooter. I, I think Metro, Exodus, and Metro, all the Metro games are sixty or 30 frames per second in their original. I think Redux was 60, uh, and I never played Redux, even though I've owned it for a while. But, you should. Um, it's good. I should, but those, those games Exodus. all felt fine to me in 30 frames per second. But when you start getting into games that are like Call of Duty and Warframe and Destiny, it's like 60 frames per second is really really needed here. like that's what you want like for me i prefer 60 over everything like i'd, I'd take 60 and even story-based games oh, i would if, but, it, if it if it could but i'm not it's not like a i don't know that uncharted i don't know that uncharted 4 or the last of us 2 needs to be 60 it just needs to be a solid 30 <laughs> and you know at least boy last of us 2 at 60 frames a second that'd be that's the, that'd hey, be nuts if you remember the last of us 1 came out and I don't expect this to necessarily happen again, but The Last of Us 1 came out a year after on PS4 with 60, 60 frames yep. per second. It, look, it looks great. That remaster is flawless. You know what was crazy about that? About that, the remaster is they actually went and recompiled all the cutscenes at 60 frames per second so that there was no disconnect between gameplay. That's how you do a, that's how you do a remaster. Yeah. There's I been a couple games. when I see remasters yeah. that are 60 frames per second, it cuts to it, which The Last of Us 2 wouldn't have that anyway because 90% of the cutscenes are in-engine. Are, they're all in-engine, but they're... Real time in game, yeah. there's no transition. But God, I, I hate so much when you see a game suddenly have a 60 frames per second gameplay and then a 30 frames per second. It, it, it's it's so jarring. Yeah, it's 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 literally as jarring as a 60 frames per second game frame dropping to 30. Because yeah. what's doing? Very it's pretty much. bad. Let's move into the news. Okay, well, the first no, thing I'm we got to do is community take. Yeah, yeah community that's cool. Topic. You got it. Uh, okay, the community take for this week was pretty simple. With everything going around last week and seeing a bunch of new stuff, we came out and said, where do you stand in regards to Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics Marvel Avengers? Since the new gameplay, are you excited for it? Is it the type of game you hoped for? Would you have preferred a different take with it? Uh, now, over on the Discord, we're going to hit up one of our new patrons, Mr. Uh, the Snow Jedi, as I will. He may not know his name, but he may not want his name known, I should say. Um but thank you very much for becoming a patron. We appreciate you. He says, it looks really boring, and the movement of the characters seems badly designed. Maybe they could learn from Insomniac. Uh, and uh, somebody else coming through here, uh, Mr. Swanland, one of our other patrons, he says, there doesn't seem to be any weight to the attacks as seen in Thor's demo. It looks like he's flailing around and not making contact with anything. Was very underwhelmed and let down. And I actually do agree with that. Yeah. And that's a huge disconnect in games to me. When you're doing something that's crazy... And it's like, but how? Why is it not affecting the world at all? I will say, Anthem had really good weight to everything. Anthem had fantastic weight, and I think one of the biggest things about games like Anthem and even something that like uh, Horizon, which one of the things that was unfortunate in the Horizon Forbidden West trailer, uh, I don't know if you saw it. Most of the game had grass and stuff that was swaying with wind and movement and stuff. Mm -hmm. Did you see when they're taking down down the big boar looking robot, and they and like it, it's when it shows silence, and then you see the guys and they do it and it comes down to the ground yeah none of the grass moves or anything now this uh, is a game that's not even close to release i never noticed that so now though so it's fine but it was one of those moments where whenever i was re-watching the trailer the other day i was like huh i guess this is kind we of proof well i guess this is kind of proof of where we are in this game like it's being shown but 
it's probably not ready because with them having the wind blow the grass, I have every feeling in the world that that's going that they're going to do the same thing here, where when the bore weight drops. But that goes back to the thing, and like what what Anthem did well when you land, you see things around you kind of bristle and move, and the weight and part of it's of course in vibration of the controller. You know, you always want that in a game, and yeah. that's hard. You can't see that, but that does add to the weight. Is like. How do they make it feel when it when you land? Like, how does it feel in the controller? Does it feel heavy and thick and kind of? I'm like curious a quick how the dual sense is going to handle that. Yeah, me too. Um, but let me go grab some from over on Twitter. Well, I'm already here, so I can hit you with No Fate, aka okay. Sean One Neo, yeah. one of our longtime friends. He says, "I personally don't like the art design. I've heard nothing but bad comments, and it being some kind of games as a service all ring alarm bells. I think what people really want is something more like Marvel Alliance." I predict this game will flop to a free-to-play service. I actually could see that happening with this game. Um, I This game, now I know why it kind of looks off to me, and you'll probably disagree. I was not a fan of DCU. Online. Oh, uh, DC Universe Online? Yeah. I, I, to me, that game just looked bad or off in terms of everything, like the, the gameplay, the graphics. It all just looked weird. And that game eventually became free-to-play, technically. It, it did. Now, here's the thing about DC Universe, and this is just a curiosity of knowing where you said that. Um, when did you first see the game? When it came out. Okay, so you did know Scoops, what it is. Yeah, Scoops bought it, and we were all, I was watching yeah. it play at his house, I'm like, no, they don't look like for me. See, I love that game. Uh, now, I'm not, I'm not, you're not wrong in the sense of, I don't necessarily know that at the time, and I don't know what it looks like. I haven't played it on PS4, even though I did love that game. I just played hundreds upon hundreds of hours on PS3, so it kind of felt like I'm getting a PS4. I don't need to play more of it. Uh, but me, Jonathan, and Blaze all played it. Um, I love the game for a number of things, but a lot of those things were buried in the fact of what you'd expect from a PS3 game. Uh, yeah. Now, what's weird is I'll say that that was a late-gen PS3 game, just like this is going to be a late-gen PS4 game. But this feels like it has less of what you'd expect from a PS4 game, at least from what's been seen. Yeah, It's weird because I don't think that graphically I think the game looks fine. But I do agree with the sense of disconnect in things. Yeah, And I do, I do think that some of the character designs look strange. I think all of the art design is strange. Yeah, I, I don't... I, I mean, don't... like, so a lot of the character bodies and stuff look fine I, I, in terms of, like, if, if, if See, you weren't knowing who it was. You know what I mean? I think that's... You get into this weird thing where the the art style that they're trying to use here to differentiate, which we also saw in Marvel Spider-Man, not only did they want to create a different... I mean, they wanted to look hyper-realistic, but they wanted to create their own Spider-Man. They wanted their own design of Peter Parker. They wanted their own design of Spider-Man and what the suit looked like. And I think you're seeing a lot of that here. I think where the big disconnect's happening with a lot of people, and, and including myself, I never anticipated this game to be a Destiny-style game. And that's actually yeah. over here, uh, Chris Figuera, um, which is my co-host over on the uh, Midweek Matinee Movie Podcast that we do every week. He is a huge Marvel fan, absolutely huge Marvel fan. Has seen all the movies, loves them. He says, I would always prefer that a game like this is a single-player story, but I'm interested to see the loop. The only live service I play is Apex Legends, and I'd be interested to see if it can steal any of my Apex time away. Now, I think the reason I want to shout that one out is I think most people who were big fans of Marvel were not like when it was originally announced forever ago that Crystal Dynamics was making a Marvel Avengers game. Mm-hmm. When you look at that, Crystal Dynamics at the time had been making story driven 
Tomb Raider games. You would have thought. And story-driven Thief, and they had uh, Deus Ex at some point, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and and I'm trying to remember if they were did ever they? behind Deus Ex. I know that they at least did Thief, and they did, um, of course, the, the two Tomb Raider games before it ended up getting moved around. Yeah. Uh, but... We you would you, expect a, an Avengers-level game of that nature. Yeah, it seems like they're obvious. Okay, it seems like if you wanted somebody to make this game that they were trying to make, and no hate on them, I get that they're trying to do something different for the studio, and I'm not even going to say that, they, that they're not dedicated to what they're doing and it's just not sticking with fans. Who knows? But I think what's happening here is that technically I felt this for Spider-Man 2 at the same time. Insomniac seemed like a very weird developer to give Spider-Man to. At the time, the only game they had that would have led you to believe at all that they could make that type of game was Sunset Overdrive. But it was not a huge you performer, could, and it was kind of weird. Compare uh, Ratchet and Clank and stuff to Spider Man. Yeah, I mean, in in what direction? I guess. I mean, in in a very well, I mean, in the in the direction of the world, I guess it's a very openish kind of world in each segment, um, and there's kind of a good a sense of exploration in Ratchet and Clank. I would say that there's a... I mean, you're not wrong there. I, they're not open worlds. Ratchet & Clank's actually really tiny worlds. I mean, I, I like the game, and I like what it's trying to do, but... Maybe it's just been so long since I played Ratchet & Clank, I remember them worlds being bigger than they are. I mean, I think maybe it was a context thing. They were big for their time. Maybe so. But they were never open worlds. Yeah, because it's know? been a long time since I played Ratchet & Clank. I do agree with your stance on them being good for exploration within reason. Yeah. Um, but I guess to me as like a perfect example, definitely whenever people said there's when there's the rumor started, there's a Spider-Man game. It's exclusive to PlayStation. This is before we ever actually, that actually anything. wasn't surprising to me for some um, reason that it was insomnia. No, no, that was exclusive. PlayStation. Oh, not that. No. So that wasn't surprising. Definitely. Cause I thought about the movies. Everybody kind of had yeah. that. What was surprising is that when you think about it, exclusive to PlayStation, Spider-Man, who does Sony already have in their first party docket? Who, who has made really amazing superhero games sucker punch yeah everybody thought it was gonna be sucker punch including me and when they said it's insomniac i was like what the hell i could see that i could see that reasoning perfectly clear while i don't think spider-man is a 10 out of 10 game that i think some people think it was i do think it was very good and it proved that insomniac could do it and i think that in a sequel they were probably shore up some of the very few issues i had with the first game i think i think spider-man is the perfect game this this is a kind of a hot take but spider-man is the perfect game to show you that a 7 out of 10 does not mean it's bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if I'd call it a 7 out of 10, but it's definitely not a 10 out of 10. 8.5 for me, personally, I, I'd I guess, call it maybe. probably a 7.5 at highest for me. Yeah. Either way, I think that when... when you, Okay, so this would be just as weird, in my opinion, as though it's a little bit more reasonable. It'd be just as weird if they're like, we're making a Spider-Man game, but it's going to be an online game where you all play a Spider-Man in the same world, which I know is not what's going to happen well, here. This is kind of like a mix between a hero shooter and Destiny, and where it's like, there can only ever be one Thor, and there can only ever be one Captain America on your team that you're building up. My thing with this, though, is that anytime a developer like Crystal with a publisher like Square, Square as a publisher has experience with games as a service because you look at Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah. Crystal Dynamics, though, they don't have a games as a service. Yeah. This is going to be a very rocky game when it comes out because it's really hard to nail games as a service, especially on your first attempt. People like Bungie and Blizzard are still learning from this their mistakes, and they've been doing this now at this point for almost a decade. Mm. Um you're going to have a one-time person come out that's never made a game as a service before. It's going to be published by Square Enix, who I'm sure can give them guidance. 
But at the same time, it's going to be kind of iffy. I get the same vibes with this game that I got with Anthem, that I knew that the launch was going to be rocky, that content is going to be very shallow in a way at the beginning mm-hmm. compared to the content that will be launched at in-game, if there is ever in-game content for either one of these games. Um, but that's kind of my take on it, is that it's, it's, it's coming out by a person that's never made a game as a service before, and it's a very competitive market. It's a very small market too. People think that's a massive market. That's a small market, in my opinion. Well, I think it's a massive market with with not small, very much share. Well, I'll say I'll say it's it's small in terms of what's been successful because you have like Warframe, Destiny. I guess Call of Duty is kind of moving that way, but I still don't really see that a game to the service. You have kind of like I, Fortnite. I think the Division One was a Division big, was one, a big success yeah. in that regard. But it's kind of like it's and those ca- three games are all quite different. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like you narrow it down to five or less games. Where if you say RPG, well, you can name you twenty games that came out in the past two years that would be good RPGs. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. Um, and you know, going back to your Square thing, that's just interesting though. I think a big takeaway here is that a first a team doing it on their first chance is already going to be rocky. But even you mentioned Square, who have games as a service experience, yeah. even a company that has games as a service experience, they did Final Fantasy XI online for years. And when Final Fantasy fourteen online first uh, released back in the PS3 era, oh, yeah. it was a complete mess. There's a reason a meteor took the game out and yeah. they had to recreate it. So even people who have experience fumble. I mean, we saw that with Destiny. They fumbled with Destiny 2 multiple times after building Destiny 1 up. I might say multiple times, but they definitely fumbled with Destiny 2 in in some regard yeah, after they, having the first, built the up first, the first Destiny. Yeah, the first year was a fumble. Yeah. Uh, our good buddy Kevin Bakerbits on Twitter. Ooh, sorry. I got invaded by hiccups. <laughs> and a patron. Yeah, I, I have, uh, the hiccups ain't letting me get that out. Um, ooh, excuse me. Is that the game I would hope for? Uh for Out of the Avengers, and I don't know if I'll end up playing, getting a little burnout on Destiny slash Division type of games, they could always convince me otherwise, though, which is a kind of a good mindset to have. Yeah, good in-between. Uh, I'm going to throw one over from Facebook as well, from a new member of our Facebook group, Mr. Nicholas Horder. He says, have to do my research, haven't seen the new footage yet, but I tend to lean more towards a good single-player experience myself. Um, that's, a fair, that's a fair assessment. You'll never get yeah. let down by sticking to your guns. Yep. All right, let's see if there's any more that we want to go grab from Discord. Uh, I think this is a good short and sweet one. Yeah. Atlas Unchained says, it's a great concept that feels two years late, and when I see gameplay, it looks bad in my opinion. See, my, my thing is is that if you're going to pick up a game as a service, some people are going to pick this up just for the Marvel skin, right? They yeah. want to play as their characters. Sure. But some people, I would recommend you to play like Warframe mm-hmm. or Destiny 2 or... Games like that, like Apex, I guess, technically the games of the service now. Um, I guess the idea is games that let you have a power fantasy in the similar way of what you'd expect from something from Marvel, but do it more competently within their genre. The thing with Marvel is I don't think I've ever, from a Marvel game, had a well enough done power fantasy. Spider-Man was the closest I think I came to that. I'm trying to think of other Marvel games, honestly, in the in-between. All the Ultimate Alliances. I mean, honestly, I guess I did have some power fantasy moments in uh, the Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 games, uh, which were games. pretty solid. There's Spider-Man's always been the closest they've got. There's a, there's a handful of surprisingly all right Spider-Man games, like some that were even, I'd say, pretty good, even though Insomniacs is the best so far. Uh, 
but yeah, I think you're right. There's, I've not, you know, I've played the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games, which are meant to be a little bit more of like a dungeon crawler that y'all come through. They're fun enough, but they don't, they don't quite exceed in the power fantasy thing. Yeah, um, you could do like cool combos and stuff of those games, but other which, than that, Batman, you have Batman on DC side with all the Arkham games. Yeah, and that which is I do the think perfect is, like Batman power fantasy there. Yeah, well, and you know. Bringing back to Anthem and the type of game that this is, actually, recently, one of the best power fantasies I've kind of had in a game is uh, whenever I was working on Anthem's Platinum, so I was just flying around and trying to find collectibles within the open world. Uh, because I was just trying to make it quick and easy and not pay attention to it, I just put the game on easy while I was flying around. Uh, but then stuff would attack you sometimes because it's just going to do that. So I started shooting, and I was like, oh, wow. I was like, this game is like, when you're playing this on easy, the power fantasy is ridiculous. <laughs> you're just blowing stuff up. You're throwing down. There's a ton of stuff going on on screen. So I guess their argument could be made that this might be the game to do that in, even if it requires you to put the game on easy <laughs> in order to hit that power fantasy. Um, all right, let's see. I don't know if there's anything too much more. I'm going to give Mr. Bring the Pain the last one here. He says it looks a lot more better than when they showed it off, and I'm still mad about it, about it because... Looking at the sky and stuff, there was a load of gray color. It looks a lot like Civil War movie. Lots of gray tones and mute colors, with the flashy attacks being the, co- the colors. And like Swanland said, the attacks don't feel like they have weight to it. I feel like the best characters to play would be like Cap or like Hulk of all of them, but I want more heroes than the, than the others. The movement seems off, too. Um, and that leads us to the... One thing that was just kind of a mention on Twitter, one of the people said that they're not into it yet because it seems fishy, and also they've not even seen gameplay from their favorite adventure, Captain America. Yeah, it's kind of weird for the lack of stuff we've seen of this game for it to be coming out so quickly. Yeah, because when did they move it back to? Is it Was it September? September something, Alongside when Cyberpunk was supposed to come out? Yeah, unfortunately. Hmm. Do, do, do. Eh, it is what it is. Thanks to all of you, though, who, who gave your thing. I actually did read all of these, so even if you didn't get mentioned on here, I saw what you said, and you know what? I feel you. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, it does seem like more than anything, most people are being... Most people are either not into it or just cautious, cautiously optimistic, as we like to say, on this show, where it's like they're not immediately hating it, but they don't necessarily know what there is to love just yet. Yeah. So... um I would love to see someone who's just like ridiculously hyped about this game, but I've not seen that much anywhere. Even on Twitter where you can normally see the extremes on both sides where it's people who absolutely hate what they're being shown and people who totally love it. I've not even seen that. It seems like across the board, most of what's being shown here is people just kind of going, eh? (laughs) Thor's like abdomen shaped like a mini fridge. It just looks, I don't know what it is about this game, but it looks so off. They, I can't, it, it, you know, like you see it, like, I think I've been able to perfectly describe on why I think this looks like a mobile game. Because those mobile games, you always get those really, really fake looking CGI commercials for them. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that looks cool. And then you look at the gameplay and you're like, oh, I think this kind of has the vibe like this. Every time I see a character, I'm like, oh, that looks cool. But then I see the game in action. I'm like, oh, no, that doesn't look good. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. You are right about that, though. Man, mobile gameplay ads are the worst. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to head over into the news, but thanks, everyone, for the community's take. Thank you all. So first thing we're going to do in the news is touch back on last week's uh, news that we talked about with PS Plus turning 10. Uh, we now know at the very least what we'll be getting games-wise is NBA 2K20 
and Rise of the Tomb Raider are going to be free starting July 7th for all users. As an extra for celebrating 10 years, users can also grab Erica, which is like FMV-style decision-based narrative, kind of like the Telltale games or something more along the lines of... Uh, actually, if, if you've played this on PlayStation 4, there's a game called Late Shift that is pretty much exactly this. It's a... It's real filmed, but then it's all layered in with what decisions you make um, as how it will continue and what uh, what ending options you have. Uh, but there's also going to be a free PS4 theme for the anniversary of it. Now, they've not said anything, and I don't know if this is going to be the only month they do something as a actual celebration month. As much as I don't think it'll happen, I think it'd be really cool if the way that they choose to do this, definitely since they made their little artwork of PS Plus 10 years, would be to do it for the the next year have a full 10 year anniversary thing where every month is bigger games. This is actually a pretty solid month. It doesn't mean that they're games that people don't own. Yeah. But NBA 2K20 is pretty new and it's a good thing to give out to people. Even if it's been on sale a lot, I wonder if they're going to do the same thing they did last time where they put it in commercials now for it being free. Who knows? Maybe Uh, last time it was commercials after being two ninety nine, wasn't it? Uh, in 2K19. 299 or 399. It was yeah, cheap. Yeah, it was really cheap. Uh, the other thing I could see is the, the way, what they may do for the next you know year uh, celebrating 10 years is every month we get a bonus game, even though originally we were just supposed to be getting two games. That They may do one smaller bonus game. but That would be kind of cool. Who knows? Is Rise of the Tomb Raider the first one in the series? No, it is the second one. Uh, the first one was actually a PS3 game. It did get remastered for PS4, and I think it's been free on PS Plus before. What is that one called? Tomb Raider. I hate these stupid naming conventions. There's Rise of the Tomb Raider, then Tomb Raider. It's Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, the Tomb Raider and then Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Um, it, that, that one in particular is weird, uh, but I actually am a huge fan of non-number-related games. I, I really love like uh, the Prince of Persia games, how it's like it's Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, Prince of Persia, Warrior, Warrior Within, Within, and then Prince of Persia, Two Thrones. I like that because... You don't you don't ever forget which order they came out in. You it, definitely if you've played them, and it makes for way more interesting names, and and it makes for more flexibility because like you know the problem with God of War is if it, they had to call them God of War one, God of War two, God of War three, and now what do you get? God of War. If yeah. if all God of Wars would have decided to have a surname with no number, then you wouldn't be in the situation where it's like you have to put God of War parentheses 2018 in parentheses <laughs> because if you go to talk to someone now and you're like I really like God of War, and it's like. Which are they one? are they going to give me more context clues as to which David, one they're talking David about? Jaffe or Corey Barog? <laughs> yes, so, Barog. Yeah. Uh, anyway, next thing up is Spiders, the developer behind my much loved Greedfall, uh, will be revealing its next game under their new owner, Nacon. Yes, the same Nacon that makes controllers. Uh, <laughs> this week at Nacon Connect on July seventh. Apparently, there was a merger between Nacon and an old company, uh, Big. Ben something. It's a publisher. Uh, Is it a clock company? <laughs> that'd be funny, wouldn't it? I think they're just a London publisher. Uh, but they were like some of the WRC games and some different racing games like the Rolla Pro Fishing. Very odd developer uh, or very odd publisher. And then for it to be publishing games now that are so far outside of what those are and buying developers, it looks like they're trying to make moves, which we continue to see moves be made in the double A sphere. Yeah. My only hope here is I think a big reason that Greedfall was so good. I've always said Spiders has had super unique ideas for years, but it's always like they were never quite big enough of a team or never never were given quite enough money to make their games work the way that you'd want them to. And Greedfall is the first time that I feel like they got given a big enough surge of money and enough time to make 
something that was really close to what their original vision was, if maybe not dead on the money. Uh, it feels it felt dead on the money to me. You know what they could that'd be cool if they did? They took a sequel to Greedfall and they made it in London with werewolves. So we can have like an 1886 spiritual successor. So here's the thing I'm a little unsure of, and I want to do, I'm sure I can find out and look it up. Uh, Spiders was of, or Spiders was originally just a, you know, independent studio. And the last few games that they did were published under Focus Home Interactive. Yeah. And, you know, Focus Home Interactive had that surge where for about two, three years, they were putting a lot of money behind games. And that's why we've seen a lot of their games get high recognition. We saw uh, World War Z do very well for them. We saw Plague Tale Innocence do very well for them. We very saw, well for them. Um, of course, we saw Greedfall do very well for them. The Surge 2 did very well for them. So when you look at how much money they put behind They made stuff, the Surge too. Yeah. They made the Surge 1 as well. Yes. Now the, the Surge, I don't like this company anymore. <laughs> the Surge 2, while I've not played it, was reviewed much higher and sold way better. I just, I just, I'm one of those weird people that if like one game in a series is not good, I just won't play the rest of the series. I honestly, I'm, I'm that's fair. <laughs> I'm not hating on that at all. Uh, but I don't know why it's it's that might be why like I haven't played The Last of Us two yet. Is like I, I'm so like sad with that that I'm just like. I'm just gonna remember what I want to remember about that series. <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter. Then again, that's a little different because this is—you've already played the one game that you love, and there's not a game after this. It'd be different if it's like you don't want to play the second one because the first one sucked, or you don't want to play the third one because then, the second. But one But then sucked. I can't say I love the third series because then there's that. Then why the hell? Hey, first of, of all, why the hell do you play Devil May Cry three? You don't like Devil May Cry two. Yes, I do. I've never said I'd never like Devil May Cry 2. Okay. You You're talk, getting me confused. You talk a lot with, of mess on it. You're getting me confused with with different people. I I don't like Devil May Cry 2 in context of the rest of the series, but it is not as bad of a game as everybody makes it out to be. Okay. Everybody doesn't understand that before they retconned the timeline, that was when Dalte was at his old, oldest. Yeah. So he was less mature. Yeah. Or he was more mature. More mature. Yeah. Either way, <laughs> uh, my, my worry here is that Nacon buying them I hope that the the move here is that if they're buying them and doing something so different that they're giving them the budget they need to make a good game. Could but be, here's hopefully. the big thing. I don't know if Focus Home Interactive owns Greedfall as a IP or if Spiders owns Greedfall as an IP. I would have to imagine, as most publishers do, they want to own the game. Focus Home Interactive is owned Greedfall. Not surprised. So we won't see another Greedfall, but we can see a spiritual successor. There's no reason that they can't do a similar game. Yeah. But it's a little sad because the world of Greedfall is really cool. And I'm one of those big people, like I mentioned with the order. I don't want someone else trying to touch into a world because we always see that fail. I, I think one of the only games I've liked where another developer came into a series I really loved, and I'm I'm in the minority on this, I really thought that Sly Cooper 4 was really good. It wasn't perfect, but it was good. I said I played it, but like I heard a lot of people outcry about it, but then I've heard people say it was really good. Yeah, it's it, there's a, there's one thing in particular. Is it the Devil May Cry 2 of the Sly series? <laughs> no, not really. I think it plays and feels a lot more like a Sly game. I think there's... There's a there's one character in particular who I completely agree with the fact that it feels convenient that they would do this and it feels out of character for the person, which is funny because that's the argument going around The Last of Us 2 right now. And it feels way more true to Sly Cooper 4 in this one character than it does in The Last of Us to me. But, hey, is what it is. Um, but, yeah, 
I am not a huge fan of that. Either way, excited for their next game. Uh, next thing up is after a leak of the trailer for the game came out, Crisis Remastered has been decided to be delayed in an effort to address some of the criticisms leveraged against what could be seen in the trailer from the gameplay. For anyone hoping that the massive changes will be coming because of this, I wouldn't get my hopes up because the statement from Crytek that initially announced this says that it, the wording is weird, so it could be poor wording. But it says that they will be delaying the game and the trailer for a few weeks. Now, are they saying that they're delaying the game indefinitely and the trailer for a few weeks? Or are they saying they're delaying both the game and the trailer for just a few weeks? That, it's a weird corporate speak. Yeah, I think the problem here comes if, the, if you expect three to four weeks to make a huge change in a game, you're going you're gonna to be disappointed. Massively disappointed. Did you happen to watch the trailer? No, I don't really care. Care to. I didn't know if you had any interest in this. I do because I've 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 played Crisis and I liked it, but I've never gotten to beat it. Uh, partially too because I, I, once it came on PS3 and Xbox, I was like, this looks so rough that I don't really want to play it here, uh, and it didn't perform very well. Uh, Crisis Two, I loved and I beat that. But um, one of my things here from looking at it is part of this plays into the old Crisis joke about how it's supposed to be super graphically cutting edge. Yeah, and the problem with this is while it does look mostly better than the original game though there are a few parts in the original game that actually look better than this um it's kind of like they just barely it's almost like they just recompiled the game in crytek 5 instead of in the original CryEngine. yeah uh, or CryEngine 5 instead of the original CryEngine. and the problem with that comes down to is it really a remaster or is it just a game you're recompiling into a new engine and it'll automatically get the benefits that that engine will bring like slightly better lighting and stuff like that. Um, I hope that they come out with something that is pretty crazy, but the gameplay that they showed was apparently from PC. So you can only imagine it's not going to be that good on console. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Maybe they'll get some more polish out of it. Maybe it is delayed indefinitely so that they can actually go back and do more to it. But Honestly, who knows? The problem with Crisis is even though I think it's a cool series, long, long ago when they became the PC melters, they already messed up in having it to where the graphical fidelity of their games has to be so ridiculously good in context to the things that it's releasing around that if you're not, it doesn't even matter if the game's good. No yeah. one's going to care because you've become the people, definitely with Crisis as the, the fledgling series for this, to where it has to look bonkers. You've become the meme, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and it sucks because nobody thinks about it. But have you ever played The Hunt Showdown or even heard of it? Nope. It's a Crytek game made on CryEngine 5. It's a solid-looking game. It performs well. It even runs on Switch and performs well on Switch. But it's not Crisis, and most people don't even think about the fact that it's a Crytek game. When you see Crisis, you know it's Crytek, and you expect it to look ridiculous. Yeah. It'd be like if you came out with Crisis 4 that looked the same as Crisis 3 did. People would be like, what the hell is this? Yeah, that makes sense. Is what it is. Uh, next up, Sony San Diego's uh, uh, Sony's secret San Diego studio that many have speculated will be continuing the Uncharted series makes another hire in the way of Naughty Dog environment artist Zach Oliver, who worked with the company on The Last of Us all the way through to The Last of Us Two, further driving the speculation. We do not know the, the studio's names currently, uh, and we haven't even seen a tease of their project at all. This is much like uh, Xbox's um, The Initiative. It's two. Two secretive series, I mean, studios that are getting tons of talent that are very big name talent. Yeah, have you seen the new? But nobody knows anything about what they're doing. Have you seen the new uh, theory on the initiative? 
that no. they're making Fable, a new Fable game. See, that one is weird because there's. I think there's real smoke where the fire was that whenever Microsoft bought Playdead Studios, the team behind uh, Forza Horizon, yeah, that they when they bought them, they spread and did what Naughty Dog did for the original Last of Us, where they made two teams, uh-huh. and that the second team is the one making Fable. Now, weird, because technically Forza Horizon, definitely Forza Horizon 3 and 4, are open world games, uh-huh. but they're open world racing, racing games. games. Yeah. How do so you fable how race that, cars? How does that necessarily translate puts a, to a, puts a whole new phrase in the chicken chaser? It's not impossible, but it, it leads into my thing of I've always said that my problem with it is that Fable is one of the few like Microsoft series that I absolutely adore. Yeah, and even then, it's really just Fable one that I adore. Fable two and three, oh, Fable two and three. Oh, actually, I haven't played Fable much two. Of three. Is, Fable two, is, two fantastic. Is, is fantastic, but it doesn't feel like Fable necessarily. The only one that feels decidedly like Fable to me is the first one. I had the problem playing it before everything, so it may be one of those you they set the expectation. They all feel like Fable to me. I don't know. Gameplay-wise, gameplay, uh, both 2 and 3. Fable's weird, yeah. Or Fable it, 2's weird. Well, 3 is very much like... three. barely even a different game. I, I don't hate it, and I actually did get around to playing a little bit of it when I didn't finish 2, just to see what it's like. It's weird. Uh, but, yeah, both of, these, both of these teams are just making stuff. And wouldn't it be weird, though... If I'm being honest, I'm going to be super disappointed if both the initiative and Sony San Diego studio that's hiring all this talent are doing so just to continue franchises. Or yeah. Uncharted's a little different. It's, no. it's made it's still made tons of money, so there's more reason for Sony to do it, but I'm still going to be disappointed that you would create a new studio, bring all these people in, and make just to waste series. that without doing something new. Yeah, Let I wanna, them make something new. I want to see new stuff. I'm tired of seeing the same five big games for both teams i want something new like if they if they announce uncharted 5 clearly i'm gonna play uncharted 5 unless i can't even imagine what they'd show that would turn me off of it i love golden abyss but it's just not what i want to see yeah just as much as i was glad i I loved golden abyss i'm glad to see ben to get to move on and make something new in days gone that's awesome now i want days gone too yeah and and after you give days gone a couple of runs for their money two maybe three games let them go off and do something new if they want to don't be just putting people together and be like you're all very talented now make the next uncharted <laughs> so can we just not have uncharted for a few years no it's just weird. kill it end it well look it's end it because i know that i exist as a hypocrite in this way but i think it's part of the reason i've been saying it lately is i think it's been long enough i think that uncharted can go away for 10 years right no, because inevitably they're, they're not going to do what everybody wants them to do and make a sequel following Drake's daughter. They're going to make a remake following a different casted Drake. I don't think so, actually. A different casted Sully. I don't think so. There's only two rounds but to go with Uncharted. Even then, even then, let's just say, uh, I think people would want, would want it to continue. And I think they know that. And that would be where the money's at. But I say I exist as a hypocrite because I know I'm constantly saying that I want to see another kill zone and another resistance, but we haven't seen those series in 10 years. Exactly. I mean, well, we've seen kill zone, but well, I mean, okay. It's been really seven years Sh- for both. Shadowfall of them. did not feel like a kill zone game to me. Uh, it did. And actually from a story perspective, it really did gameplay. It still felt like kill zone, but it was a little bit more modernized. Yeah. It or was I really say modernized because I used to think hot take. I think kill zone is a, is more modern, as has always been more modern as a shooter series than anything of its contemporaries around it in terms of weight and feel and just feeling unique, but still on the money. But with that said, it's been seven years since we've seen Killzone. It's been 
I think one week since you looked years, at me. Yeah, it's been eight years since we've seen Resistance, and the last Resistance we saw was Burning Skies. Yeah, which is not a great way to end. It's not a terrible game, but it's not a great way to end a series. It's kind of like how the last Jack and Daxter game we saw was the PSP Jack and Daxter: The Lost Frontier or something. I remember whenever I was whenever I first had my Vita, and I was looking up YouTube videos of like the top ten best Vita games and the top ten worst Vita games. Resistance was always in the top ten worst. Every video I watched, every time there was a worst list, Resistance was in there. <laughs> It's not a bad game. It's just not good. If you say <laughs> what does that mean then? If you say, okay, okay, it's not a bad game, but it's not good for the series. Does that make sense? Like, Don't make cry too. If it didn't, if it didn't say the resistance word and label on it anywhere, and Dark you just Souls played too. it, you'd be like, okay, like it's not a bad game. Perfect example: Mass Effect Andromeda. I don't think Mass Effect Andromeda wouldn't got near the crap it got if it didn't carry the Mass Effect name. It still, no, it still I'm wouldn't. pretty sure Hold it still on. would because it's on. a Bioware game. It's, okay, take people that. are looking at Bioware games like like but, Dragon Age. You saw how hard Dragon Age. Okay, but take, take that take that away. Let's just say, look at the game without without worrying about what series it's from or who made it. Look at the game itself. Look at the final product. Mass Effect and Drama is not release, a terrible game, but it's release, also not amazing. Upon release, yeah, no, even upon no, release, there is too much now, stuff. I'm not saying it'd be a ten out of ten, but it would be a, a game where people 10. would look at it and be like, "It's a seven out of ten with some glitches that need to be fixed." No, Spider Man is a seven out of ten to me. That game would be a two out of ten. Days Gone and that game were very similar in how buggy they were at launch. And no, Days Gone, <laughs> Days Gone was worse than I thought it was then. Because remember, I didn't play Days Gone at launch. I played both Days Gone and Mass Effect Andromeda at launch. Both of them were mildly Mass, buggy. Mass Effect had what seemed to be way more dialogue issues, way more face uh, face capture issues. Did they even use facial capture, or did they just make all the characters no, look derpy? It's just, it's just hand animated. Yeah, it was it, all those poorly issues hand animated. Poorly, yes. Yep. Days Gone now, though, is surprising that it was ever in a really bad state. If honestly, if Days Gone launched in this state, and this was this was made by somebody who was just like, okay, we're one and done. And I was still playing the game now, as, mm-hmm. it, as I was on day one. I'm like, okay, this is a solid like seven out of ten performance, just because of all the issues that I'm having. But like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't push me further off of the game. I can't imagine how Days Gone one or Days Gone Day one was then. Not that bad for me. Outside of that one time where the the I was just following through the planet because all but the road despawned. To compare it to that Mass was Effect one Andromeda, time. though, that's pretty. That was a worse. I never had a bug that bad in Mass Effect Andromeda. I only played Boy, it for about fifteen yucky. to twenty hours. Look, but I bought it for thirty dollars. I took vacation. I remember this vacation. It was it was one of my. It was the vacation I took at CVS before I went from one store to another. And I was like, I don't have nothing to play. I'm gonna play Mass Effect Andromeda, and I bought it new. So then I, I like I went home and I played it for like one day, and I was like, nope, taking this back to GameStop. And Justin <laughs> was like, well, you know, I can't give you. Your money back. You have to trade it in. I said, I'm trading it into Watch Dogs 2. And then I did the same thing with Watch Dogs 2. The game was also garbage. <laughs> I liked Watch Dogs 1. That, that, week, that vacation sucked. I actually forgot about Watch Dogs 2. Um, I have not played it yet because I'm just unsure. Either way, uh, next thing up is pretty interesting. According to an article from Bloomberg, it appears Sony might be considering a bid for Liu Technologies. I don't actually know how you say that, but uh, which is a Hong Kong-based company that owns Warframe developer Digital Extremes, as well as others. The article states that Sony isn't the only potential bidder, though Sony is, quote, hoping that it can edge out other bidders with greater certainty of financing, end quote. Uh, apparently, COVID has stopped the bidding stuff that they were originally going to do with another company and sony's kind of in this it's pretty interesting um 
where I stand on this is I could actually see why Sony would be interested in this. The one thing that Sony does not have, and I don't think that they would force any of their existing studios to do, is to make games as a service. Yeah. Games. The best way to do this is to get a team that already enjoys making games as a service. goes back to what we were talking about in the community's take. Yeah. The best way to do that is to buy a team that already has a game as a service, which in this case, Warframe would stay just like Minecraft. It would be a, plat- a multi-platform game. There's no way Sony would make that exclusive. But what they would do is leverage that team, potentially grow it, and then have people who are knowledgeable in making games as a service game to make one for them. Now, who knows what kind of game that would be, but I think that this would be something you'd see to compete with Microsoft's uh, games as a service, like what you see in Sea of Thieves. See if these is the quintessential games as a service game. It's something that you'll come back to because they update the hell out of it all the time. And that's cool. I like that. I enjoy Sea of Thieves. It's not, it's, it's a weird game and I don't expect it to be for everybody, but it's a cool thing to have. And it's even cooler to have as an exclusive. So if Sony wanted to do something like that, it'd be interesting. Uh, and, and on top of that, they'd have extra income from how crazily successful Warframe is uh, in the door for that. So, what do you think would come of that? Honestly, I think it'd be a good buy. Um, maybe I would doubt that Warframe itself would have any direct changes to them, but I feel like they'd have at least a studio, or they'd have a company that would own them that would seem like they would give more funding to a game like that mm-hmm. because it'd be their main one. Yeah, their main game. It'd be kind of like how Minecraft grew crazily after yeah, after Microsoft. Microsoft yeah, yeah. There's no reason for them to not do it at that point. Um, you know, it'd be. I, you know, it's weird. I say that Sony doesn't currently have a games as a service. The closest thing Sony has to a games as a service is Gran Turismo Sport. Is that a games as a service? It continuously gets updated, continuously gets cars added to it, tracks added to it, events added to it. It's a games as a service insofar as it is constantly updating. I just don't think that most people think of racing games as a games as a service. But think about how old that game is. It came out in 2017, 16, one yeah, of those 16, two. 16, I think. And it, has, it continues to get updates to this day of new cars constantly being added, things being rotated in and out, new tracks being added, different events. I mean, it is, for lack of a better term, if it's not a games as a service, which I'd argue that it is, it's the closest thing Sony has to one. Yeah. So, I don't know. Does, does Microsoft really have anything else that falls under games as a service? Sea of Thieves is kind of like the go-to one for me. It's just, it's Forza? Is that a considered a game? I don't know. Service? Honestly, I don't know. So I, I, don't, I know. don't know how much it really adds that constantly. That's not a DLC. Because like, if you think about it this way, the reason I bring up Warframe and Sea of Thieves is you never pay for those. They're not paid DLCs. They're games as a service. They're like No Man's Sky. Yeah. Like if No Man's Sky would have actually been a PlayStation exclusive, one hundred percent, then then that would be the game that you'd say Sony had exclusively as a games as a service. But it's not. So, I guess Godfall. Godfall will be. That's a good point. Yeah. I forgot about Godfall. Well, we assume from from the way they're talking about it and what we've seen. Yeah. It I could, hope that game's good. I do too. <laughs> but I also am curious because they keep talking about the way it is. And it's like a sound, they talk about it as almost like the way that they try and talk about Borderlands where it's like, oh, it's yeah. this. But it's like, okay, but is it going to be more than that? And again, this is a new team making a games as a service Destiny style looter shooter. Well, so I, I don't hacker slasher. Shooter, I don't know I don't if know. you've heard the news about Destiny Two, but they're going to start doing something uh, coming up in this next season, September, called Sunsetting. And essentially, you have a weapon, and if it is a season old, it cannot go past a certain power level. So when the new season comes out, so like when the new season comes out, 
mountaintop, recluse, all those weapons we all got it for, you can still have and use them, like in PvP, but you cannot, like, you cannot upgrade them past a certain point. Destiny 1 did that, and a lot of people don't remember that, but Bull. they did not do the pinnacle stuff that you had to do to grind and get all those weapons. Dude, from knowing so, everybody I know who had to suffer through getting mountaintop. Yeah, me too. You know how you know how crazy pissed I would be. So, so here, here's, I'm glad I never wasted my time on that. Here's what me and Joe were talking about, that... It, that, that if they're going to sunset these weapons because they know that the community loves all these weapons like Mountaintop mm-hmm. and Recluse, if they're going to sunset them, you would think they would have good substitutions to do so. Maybe. Um, Are if they, they don't, do- me and Joe have already talked about looking for a new multiplayer game to play. <laughs> so Godfall better be good. So We joked about going back to Minecraft. You know I, I'm totally for that. <laughs> you know what they're going to do? Huh. They're gonna they're gonna do it like McDonald's does with the McRib. They're gonna bring them back. <laughs> they're gonna come back for small periods of time where you can use them, and then they're gonna get sunset again. Well, I love the McRibs though. Take off the onions. <laughs> take take the onions off. Get the extra pickles. You know, I've actually literally never had a McRib they're, ever. They're, do you like McDonald's barbecue sauce? Like the little uh, the ones you dip your nuggets in. Uh, I don't care for barbecue sauce for nuggets. Oh, I guess so yeah, I, I guess you're know. right. I've had theirs, but it's been ten years. McDonald's chicken nuggets are. With ketchup. That's all I need. I had McDonald's DoorDash yesterday, actually. No, I didn't. I had DoorDash Friday. I eat McDonald's nuggets here because Jonathan hooks me up with the straight-up McDonald's nuggets I have in my fridge. And they're not... I just really This wanted, isn't me saying that they're ones that are, that are like it. No, these are McDonald's nuggets. I just want a double quarter pounder meal. That's like one of the best fast food sandwiches. Anyways... Getting back on to what we're talking about. Uh, next thing up is PlayStation are following the lead, uh, following their lead from the start of last gen by embracing indies, which is good because we talked about how they kind of fell off from it. And now they're back. Uh, but there's their new initiative that's uh, headed by Shuhei Yoshida called simply PlayStation Indies. We got to see our first set of games coming from this initiative this past week with nine games, some new, some being reintroduced, uh, coming to PS4 and a few coming to PS5 as well. Go check those out if you're interested in them. I don't want to spend time talking about all of them. They all had their own things that looked unique about them, but for me in particular, I think the three that really stand out to me is Haven, which is brought to you by the team that made uh, Fury, the little boss uh what do they call those boss rush boss rush games Game's um good. that game is very good uh so it's that team but they're doing something way different they're doing a non-traditional co-op rpg and it's part of what i like that's interesting about it is it kind of looks like flower and journey and that the just general exploration is supposed to be calming and relaxing but there will be battling but there's going to be pretty much no hud no health. It's gonna kind of. It's gonna do a thing where you see your players' energy change colors, and it's gonna be colorblind friendly. UI is gonna be really minimalized. You're gonna have gear, but it's not gonna be crazy. So it's kind of like making an RPG, but making it everything that you wouldn't expect in a modern RPG. And I love see, reading the article that was talking about it because the developer was like. I didn't want to make another game like Fury because Fury uh, making that type of game is really draining. He's like making a game like this is very different. And he mentioned that he used to play Flower in between other games uh, as kind of a palate cleanser, which I thought was a cool idea. And um, it it was cool because like he talked about one of the things I hated about Assassin's Creed uh, Odyssey. Do you remember I like there's just so much stuff to do and your map is just crazy punctuated with a list of stuff that you're supposed to be doing? Yeah. This game instead doesn't have a map, doesn't sit there and show you exactly what you're supposed to be doing. The way it goes about giving you this information is very indirect and kind of like as you explore, you're going to see more and more of it. But it gives you journey, flower, and even a little bit of... Um, that looks like Cat from Gravity Rush. Yeah, no, it does. I like the art style for it. Especially like when they start taking flight here in a second. I was like, that looks... that. 
Yeah. Does that not also make you th- uh, think of that um, Voidheart game or whatever that they're doing? I, I'm, I'm skipping on the name right now. The, the spiritual successor to... Um, oh, um, uh, 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 uh. yeah, I can't think what it's called either. Voidwalker? Um, no, like I don't think so. Hyperlight Drifter spiritual successor. Yeah, uh, yeah. successor. Uh, crap, I can't think what it's called. It looks really good either way. And it, this reminds me of that as well. Now, you said co-op. Is this uh, local co-op or online co-op? Both is Both. what it seems okay. like. And it's drop in, drop out. Cool. So, yeah, really interesting idea. And the last one, uh, or the next two, is Recompile, which is simply just a hacking-themed action platformer that just looks really cool. And I think as long as it's priced well, it'll be a game I'd really enjoy. I think the art style looks dope. And then the last one is Fist, that capital F-I-S-T. I know it stands for something. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Uh, but it's that diesel punk animals kind of being fused with machinery. Yeah. It's a Metroidvania, uh, and it was originally shown last year as part of the China Hero Project, uh, but we didn't get to see much of it. It was kind of just like a weird teaser trailer where you saw the rabbit with the big like steampunk arm, which they're calling it diesel punk. Um, but <laughs> saw times in fists on Google <laughs> with no punctuation anywhere, and it was just fist. <laughs> But uh, the game looks really cool, and I like the idea of doing like a really graphically intense Metroidvania that's being done in Unreal Engine 4. Uh, but it's just crazy good-looking. It has really detailed the combo. Actually, dude, some of the fighting reminds me of Fury. It's very fast-paced. Um, but I like it still keeping the, the 2.5D viewpoint, where it's 3D renders on a 2D platform, uh, on a 2D pretty, basis. It does look pretty cool. Yeah. So... We'll see what happens when all those come out, uh, and I'm excited. I like that Sony's doing this. It's good for them to highlight this stuff. It's paid crazy dividends to Nintendo for them focusing on indies and making sure they put these games out there. And Sony's been doing it in weird ways the past few days, but this is probably the coolest thing they've done in a while. Um, All right, two more things, and then we're going to round the show out. Uh, Far Cry 6 seems to be on the verge of being announced during Ubisoft's Forward Digital Showcase on July 12th, which is a Sunday. Um... So check that out. Rumors have been running for months with Jason Schreier letting the proverbial cat out of the bag, but stirred back up with actor Giancarlo Esposito, which many of you will very likely know as most notably Gus from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, uh, but also he was recently a character in The Mandalorian. Uh, He's a fantastic actor, really good. Also, he appears in the movie for the next week's episode that we're doing for the podcast, Do the Right Thing, as a much younger character. And when I finally realized it was him when I was watching the movie, kind of blew my mind. <laughs> but uh, is, that the, is that the one where he's putting on the shoes? No. Okay. No. But he was much younger. Uh, it's the 1989 movie. That's the one I thought it was. He's not sitting on a stoop putting on shoes? No. Hmm. But, I mean, clearly he was already a big actor by then. Or he was already an actor by then. Yeah. Uh, Great actor. Fantastic. So good. Uh, Anyway, he uh, claimed that he's been working on a huge video game that he cannot talk about yet, but Games Reactor Reactor UK, who have since deleted the article, claim that the actor will be starring in Far Cry 6. Now, I know this is technically... Sounds like some sketchy stuff there. I know. Here's the thing. I totally believe the possibility of this. Not that it is it, but I believe the possibility. This will be the biggest uh, celebrity uh, they would have ever gotten for Far Cry. Right? Yeah. I mean, Troy Baker in retrospect is really huge now. And he was uh, Far Cry 4 Pagan Men. But he wasn't actually, he was just the voice. He wasn't actually modeled after. Yeah. I have a strong feeling that if they're going to get Giancarlo Esposito, 
they're going to make the character him. look like him. They're going to voice him too. Oh well, yeah, of course, him. of course, force him. Um, with that said, here's the thing: I don't want to typecast him too much, but he's such a good villain that he I is. really want him to be the villain in this because he's that multi-layered villain. Where sometimes you talk to him and look at him, you're like. He's an all right guy. And then the next moment you're like, oh, he's a monster. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think when you look at that, I, it'd be really cool. And my hope would actually be that they're returning. I don't know. I, I talk about Far Cry 5 a lot. Like, I enjoy the game. But the more I think back on it, every time, I liked New Dawn more. And I liked that they brought back uh, some stuff from Far Cry 5 in it since it was a direct continuation. But Far Cry 5 just, it's One like it those- always wanted to make a statement. And got right up to where it could, and then just doesn't. It's one of those games that, like, you you remember you played fondly, and you're like, that was that's a fun gameplay. The story, looking back this long, I'm like, it was okay, not yeah. worth playing again though. Yeah, it's like you had a handful of interesting characters that you never actually did anything interesting with. Yeah, I think the most interesting character was Faith, maybe in terms of how yeah. they used her. Ah, who knows? Either way, I'm really hoping. I still like Far Cry Five. I mean, it's, I'm not Ubisoft. On make it, a but. Far Cry game that's a horror game. You cowards! Ooh, put you out with some crazy cult members out in the jungle, and then have it not time, and you're wandering around the jungle, and these crazy cult members are chasing you. Oh, the well, jungle. that's that's essentially Outlast Two. Yes, but then you get up on a paraglider. <laughs> but not the jungle, but <laughs> then you get up on a paraglider and soar over them. <laughs> Either way, I think my big hope for Far Cry 6, and I know it's not going to happen because Far Cry 5 sold so well. I really personally want to see Far Cry go back. I, I know it needs to evolve for the, there need to be a sixth one, a sixth one, but I think that they need to find a line that feels more like original Far Cry while still deleting the things that, the things that seem less necessary. Like I understand that having the towers that you climb is, is not something that I necessarily want to be in a new one. I look back at it fondly in the original ones. I don't want it in a new one. Yeah. That was a good deletion from five, but one it of the things I didn't like about it, one just to make a joke. Oh, I guess that's true. I was like, it, yeah. it was at the very beginning of the game, and then it was like, can you believe people used to do this? And the rest of the game, there's none. <laughs> but um, that was a good deletion from Five and New Dawn. I thought that was cool. But what I didn't like is like the removal of how health worked and how being able to heal yourself worked and the dynamic things that made the game feel grounded in a way. Uh, and that even comes up in like The Last of Us too. One of the coolest things from a gameplay mechanic style is I like that with the introduction of arrows. It'd be cool if they could find a way to do it bullets too and they probably could have but i like that it's like the arrow makes you bleed you have to pull it out and you have yeah. to patch yourself that's cool that's actually like very cool like i wish that and that does not exist in far cry anymore wouldn't it be cool all. if the next elder scrolls game had that boy it'd be weird but I'd, I'd be down for it i'd be down for it for sure like a way more dynamic game see that's it's like those the, dude, mods those frostfall mods that you add in that you could dive hypothermia and, and stuff in skyrim and that's all really i cool. actually could see them pr- putting a survival mode in sky in the next game i hope they would where you can play the whole game with survival settings yeah. but if you don't want it you can turn it off i would love that um but even then that brings up exactly the point of what i'm t- kind of talking about with far cry is there's a balance between innovating games and doing something new and interesting that works within them, but also taking away too many things that remove the, the actual, what makes the series unique and fresh to itself. It's like, I need them to come back with some of the things that I honestly, and I know that I'm in the minority here for sure, even though there's a big chunk of people who are Far Cry fans that love this, I would not care. I would really like if they brought back Far Cry 2's realism of guns being able to jam and needing to be cleaned. And I, I thought that Red Dead Redemption 2 actually did it. You had yeah. to clean your gun. I was like, that's smart. Because it's now you could 
make it better than Far Cry 2 where you can clean your guns often and when you're doing stuff that way it doesn't just happen randomly. You can prevent it from happening. But if you do not actually choose to maintain your gun, then you're going to suffer those consequences. Mm -hmm. That's a cool idea. But instead, they're doing this thing where they want Far Cry to become this RPG that is essentially Assassin's Creed Odyssey and every other game they're doing where you have graded RPG items. I don't think that's needed in a Far Cry game at all. No, yeah, I don't either. I, it's just, it's getting further and further away in my interest with those games. So yeah. like, I really hope that 6 will be a change-up for that. Well, like, I know that, I think our entire friend group, you liked 2, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love 2. I did not and like I know, 3, because 3 gave me motion sickness. I remember you saying that. Yeah. I did like 3. Uh, but I know me, you, Seth, Big Seth, probably Michael Dowdy at this point, I think we all love, absolutely love True. Far Cry 2. And I think there's nothing of Far Cry 2 in Far Cry 5 to me. No. Nothing. Nothing at all. But I could see in Far Cry 3 and 4 and even something as crazily different as Far Cry Primal. Uh-huh. All of those had things that were like, okay. Far Cry 5 didn't even have a level editor, did it? No. I didn't think so. But I don't think Far Cry 3 or 4 did either. The level editor I thought was really 3 cool. was in. I thought 3 had it. I don't know. Maybe. I really don't know. 3 and PlayStation All-Stars are the only two games that have ever given me motion sickness. That's weird. All-Stars. I can yeah. understand 3. They had, they chalked up a lot of focus effect that would give you yeah. that. I don't see... In, it could have been know. the weird TV we were playing on, but they had a tournament at GameStop one night for a midnight for some random game. And I got played it for like 10 seconds. I'm like, nope. It might have been that TV that was sitting on the counter that was angled. That TV no, it was, was a piece it was, of crap. It was a real big old TV. No, I don't know. The kind that had like the uh, the uh, speaker system built into the base. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last thing up here on the news, and then this is what we're going to round the show off with. And I think this is actually a pretty interesting thing to talk about. Of course, I, I think that this report proves that it's pretty much about as true as it can get, though there's always room for error in these things. So The Last of Us 2 continues to make news in interesting ways. This week we have reports that Sony reached out to a one reviewer from Vice who, uh, with a follow-up for his criticisms of the game. Sony's representative apparently told him, quote, some of the conclusions you reached in your review were unfair and dismissed some meaningful changes or improvements, end quote. Now, the re- reason I bring this up, and me and Blake were talking about this the other day, in an industry where publishers often reach out to review, reviewers for like legitimate factual inaccuracies about the game, which is fair, I don't. I, I think it's perfectly fine that if you have a game out there and it's like, hey, your review is is one hundred percent incorrect, factually wrong yeah. in this regard. I think that's fair. I think it's fine. That's fair. It should be done. And the the fact that 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 does happen and they do get fixed, and you don't normally hear anything about it. It's pretty weird to hear of a game company just essentially being like, hey, you reviewed our game and we don't agree with your review. That's not your goal. That's not your job. That, that, it has nothing uh, to do with you. That representative should be fired if that was not done under direct order from Sony. Yes, that's a big thing too. Uh, now, one of the things that someone else had mentioned that they were looking up that makes this a little, and I didn't realize this, apparently Vice uh, was one of the people that got into Naughty Dog for their labor mismanagement uh, that when they were going around over the crunch culture. Yeah, they were involved in a big expose about it. That? People think it was uh, people think it was either ret- retaliation or it was so tone deaf and stupid that they don't realize that our Sony or whoever at least the representative was didn't realize that this comes off as a huge company flexing their muscles to kind of yeah. be like, "Don't mess with us." See, and that's that's one that's one reason why like these big big venues like GameSpot, IGN, uh, you know, all these other big websites, Game Informer, I can't trust their reviews because it's like you make a review 
and then you make a negative one, and then now you got Sony muscling Vice into like, hey, you shouldn't have said that. So now people at Vice are freaking out, like, oh no, they're not going to give us games anymore for free to review. We're going to have to delete that review or alter that review. And then sometimes it goes through with it, and you never know. And it's, yeah, it's it's, um, it's it's hard to keep track. Like ACG on YouTube, I actually respect what he does. Yeah, because I know that he won't technically get bought out. He's an independent person. And yeah, I always love that he starts his review saying, "By even if I do get codes, I still buy the game." And he gives away for free for his yeah. patrons. Like yeah. it, he seems like he has a really good system that works. And I feel like that he can't be bought out. I feel like if anything, like if him or if like if Angry Joe, uh, which I'm not a massive fan of Angry Joe at all, but he seems at least he is ethical in the way he reviews his games. He yeah. does not let somebody sway his opinions. Yeah, and. That's another reason why I like The Completionist. He may not do dead-on game reviews, but he reviews them in a way that is very different to look at. He reviews them in a sense of what this game did to me in the, in the time it took me to 100% do everything in the game. Yeah, which is a very different lens than most people. Yes, it's refreshing. Um, but like this, It's more than platinum, too, is what I love. Like, that's oh yeah. even different, because there's a lot of games you can platinum without 100%. And, ha- and, and having all the collectibles or whatever. Yeah. And he goes through and does everything. Um, this is wrong. Um, I think that if... If someone does uh, or has an opinion of any kind, whether it's written, verbal, anything, you can disagree with it all you want. You can say, I don't like that opinion. That's not my opinion. You know? Yeah. You could feel the need to change it. It'll make you a dickhead, but... Or not even a dickhead, but if you feel like that person shouldn't have that opinion, you can have that opinion. I don't care, but, like, I don't... That's not a way to look at life of, like, I don't like that opinion. They shouldn't have it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... I could see how people could feel so strongly about something. I don't feel like you should do that, though, or say that. But at the same time, it's like, this is inherently an, a wrong and unethical. Um, you don't reach out to somebody to change a review for this kind of reason. I could get, if if you love the game, and you say, hey, I don't really agree with that review. Is that, like Somebody could say to me, I don't agree with your review of, seven, of, my, of uh, Spider-Man because it's 7 out of 10. Yeah. I think it's 8. Cool. The story, the story issues, the pacing with that game really took off three points for me. That was it. That everything else of that game was done well. Yeah, but I didn't see those issues. Well, you had a different experience than I did, right? Yeah. That's why my reviews are seven and your reviews are ten. That's a fine conversation. But saying, "Hey, you need to change that that uh, that review from a seven to a ten. There's no story pacing issues. You don't need to do that. This is a, or you need to change that review from seven to ten. Your review is wrong. We don't agree with it. Yeah, that's." should never be said and a company knows better than that that's why i think it's the rep well and see and that's the thing is like right as much as i disagree with this across the board i i don't necessarily agree with even an individual user going on twitter and being like hey i read your review and i think it, it dismisses some things and you need to change your review to seven to ten well just as much as that's crappy and terrible it's an individual person and the, it's way different than a corporate company that's reaching out that that is the entity behind the game yeah it's so I don't really know. Here's the thing. I love the game. I love Sony, right? I think clearly this is a moment where I've read the review from Vice. I read it early on. And I, and before I played it, because Saul and I were having multiple conversations about where the game stands. And because I did happen to know a little bit of the leaks, it was like a reading things and, and just seeing where people stood. And I talked with Saul about it. They didn't about even it. give it a bad review either. No, they it wasn't it like a, a bad review. It, it was, was. It's. 
almost to what I would think that I would say about the game in a way. Yeah, I honestly, I think in reading the review, I think the review is a good review for the game, but it's not a glowing review for the game. And that kind of is the problem in, in the setup of it looks like it needs to... <laughs> The optics that come from this is that Sony thinks this game it demands every bit of it being 100% glowing reviews. Yeah. You're never going to get that. And it, that's what makes and it feel even more. And this certainly the way more, to do it. Yeah. And that's what makes it feel even more like they're coming after them for the expose on Naughty Dog's, you know, This is a story that I think problems. Will, will develop well with time. I think that if we see Vice come out and say that, hey, they did it again. Or, yeah. Because Vice, Vice is one of those companies that they do not care. They... They are the ones, like, there's a lot of documentaries that they make and stuff. They don't care about who that offends. Yeah, I don't that, really know much about Vice. So Vice, um, I bet you one million I mean, I know who they are, but I don't know a lot about them. I don't follow the site a lot. Uh, and and that's why I thought the tidbit of information about them being the site that was behind the labor mismanagement from Naughty Dog was an interesting add-in. Because then at that point, it's like, okay, well, there may have been a personal reason as to why specifically Vice was called out when there are other reviews that are not 100% glowing of the game. Yeah, and Vice, uh, what I mean by what I was saying, though, is like this company is not scared at all to do dark things or or, or things that like, like, for example... They have a documentary series on YouTube. There's hundreds of these. Maybe not hundreds. There's tons of them. There's the world's scariest drug. Life inside of one of Mexico's deadliest towns. The cannibal warlords of Liber- uh, Liberia. There's so much that they are just not scared to put out there that other people might be scared to do or they might be worried about it. Um, the KKK versus the Crips versus Mif- Memphis City Council. They don't care at all. about like They're, they're, they're going to educate you no matter what. They're not going to change their review for this. If we do, we know for sure that Sony did something. I doubt yeah, we're going to I see mean, that. I, I don't think we'll see anything coming either. I guess the thing here is that in general, it's a gross thing. And I can like the game and I can like the company that put the game out, both Naughty Dog and uh, PlayStation. And I can also talk about how just gross this behavior is. Which I can also talk about how gross the behavior is of people who are messaging Laura Bailey and telling her they're going to kill her children and all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, you're, you're a garbage <laughs> person for like making threats like that to people just because the game isn't as what you thought it would be. It just shows that this game is probably the across this entire generation. I think this may be the most divisive game. I think the only one that maybe comes close to it was all the fuss that happened. And I don't mean fuss in a negative way, even though I don't agree with whatever. The hatred game that came out years ago. That wasn't this generation, though. Yeah, it was. No, that yeah. had to have been last gen. No, Hatred was this generation, 2015 or so. No. Yeah, look. 2015, June 1st. I remember that game being like 2010. No, this game had people furious because it's there's no it's not even a reason. You're just a you're just a messed up dude running around killing people. And you know, you you think about games like Postal and stuff that have existed for a long time here. Uh, you think about games like Postal that existed for a long time, and there are other games that skirt on this, but this game got a lot more because it was like a small group of people doing it. Look, it's fine. I think the game is a little excessive myself. I think that they have every right to make it and put it out, just like I think that Steam has every right to tell them that they don't want to sell it or whatever it is. I think that you have that going on, but this may be the most divisive game, at least in, in loud media. I think Anthem has its moments of being just 
a, a mess in a lot of ways. And I know Man Sky had some mess. To I think it, the but biggest. Honestly, I don't think anything's been just as clearly divisive as this has, at least in how it's blown up on social media. I think honestly, the biggest mess award this generation goes to Anthem, probably. Yeah, as a as a as a total mess, and that's a game again that I love. But every time I hear somebody talking down on it, I'm like, I understand exactly where you're coming from. I do love a lot about the game, but you're right in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know, it's like it's weird. It's just how it is. But uh, you know, one of the other ones that I can really think of that stirred a lot of trouble up though in the back and forth. The Order 1886. It's interesting that Sony has had a lot of them this gen. You know what? We just stumbled into the perfect community take for next week. What is your most divisive game of this generation? Oh, that's yeah. a, that's a good that's one. That's a good one because, you know, I, I have to imagine there's games that I just somehow have missed. Yeah. And didn't even see any of the back and forth on it. But, yeah, even if it's personal, not necessarily what it is. For you, what do you think has been the most divisive game of this generation? Yeah. And, so uh, hey, don't forget. If you like the video, give us a thumbs up. If you don't like the video, that's cool too. Hit the thumbs down. Tell us why you dislike it. You can find us every Monday in video form on YouTube at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Central Time. And, of course, you can find us across all podcast services. If you use a podcast service and you don't see us on there, let us know. We'll get on there. And uh, if you use a podcast service that you could uh, review us on, hit us with a review. Tell us how you really feel about the podcast and what we could do to improve it and let you know that we're doing a good job. We would like to think, take a second and thank all of our people who love us, all of our friends and our family who watch the show and who watched our show since we've come out and new people alike who have joined in like glorious people like the snow Jedi. Yes. Wonderful dude. Yeah. We, we gained four patrons last month. So yes. thank you. We all. love all of you. Uh, um, but before we go too far, cause we always end up forgetting or you, you, you try and segue right into patrons. Well, if you want to go and chime in on the community's take segments, but like the last three weeks I've been trying to get to that, but then you cut me off and you're like, before you forget, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. But yeah, you can find our community's take on our Facebook group titled triangle square to PlayStation podcast, as well as our Twitter, which is triangle S Q R D and our discord group, which you can find links to on both our Facebook and our Twitter and in the YouTube description as well. Actually, speaking of YouTube, if if you want to, I definitely will. I get the notifications. If you want to commu- if you want to do your community stake in the YouTube comments, yeah, feel free to do so. We can do that too. Um, but yeah, if you like us, share us, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, and I'll let Brett leave us off with a live red. Not many people know that until like a couple weeks ago. But yes, Brett does. And actually, I'm gonna go ahead and say I forgot to update the thing. So I'm gonna re- I'm gonna shout out the new patrons. They just won't be posted on the picture just yet. I'll fix that. Yes, uh, every week though he will shout them out lively. Um, which is a fun word to say, but uh, lively. <laughs> take us, take us home to those old country roads, and let them know of our few new patrons that we didn't get a chance to add to the board yet. Okay. Thank you all. Thanks, guys. Oh no, no, it's still recording. Okay, cool. Well, here's, that, <laughs> here's our live readoff. Proof is in the pudding. Thanks to our patrons, Josh Urell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Billyobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Blow, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, Zachary Sawyer, and Ali Valiant. If you would like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving us as little as $1 a month. Thank you so much. Thank you.